0: The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4224 of The Bugle, audio newspaper for uh, whatever this planet is right now. I've got no f***ing idea anymore. Oh, I'm Andy Zotzman sitting here in the shed of inescapable veracity and the purest factfulness known to humankind, which is not a high bar right now, admittedly. It's not a fact either, but if uh, anything, that just highlights the uncertain mendacious times we've been living in since humans first evolved. Joining me to haruspicize through the entrails of another week of global shittery from New York City, it's Hari Kondabolu. Hello, Hari. Welcome back.
1: Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me back.
0: How's uh, how's things stateside?
1: It, it, it's weird because whatever God or Darwin or whoever has planned for the end of the the world, it is quite a setup. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I was already like, okay, is it going to be global warming, right? Or uh, is it going to be uh, the pandemic? And then all of a sudden, the nuclear element, oh, my God, it's back on the table. Like, this is pretty exciting. Like, this is how you set up a grand finale. And the best thing about this kind of grand finale is that no one can complain after that it wasn't what they hoped for. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I didn't live up to the hype. Nah, that's the best because we're all gone. Well, I mean, I'm that's... hoping that dinosaurs come back and do us in. To be perfectly honest, that's always been oh, my a hope, bit I of did.
0: revenge element. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. After what Raquel Welsh did to them, uh, it's a matter of time. Well, uh, also joining us, and uh, we will shortly find out what his chosen form of Armageddon is. From uh, just down the road <laughs> from me in Crystal Palace, it's Mark Steel. Uh, uh, hello, hi, Mark. Uh, I mean, how would you like the world to end? What's your sort of optimum? Form. Well, not like this because
2: the, uh, Vladimir Putin said that when he put the nuclear missiles on his extra high alert, the reason was Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, the current bloody ineptitude's ineptitude that is Liz Truss, the foreign... I mean, I don't mind the human species dying out, but let not the reason for it be Liz Truss. That's just a... That's appalling! Millions of years of humanity, civilizations, Rome, Egypt, Perger, Alexander the Great, Beethoven, <laughs> in <fucking Muhammad laughs> Ali, the invention of things like curling, everything, beekeeping, all we've done ended because of fucking Liz Trust. I'd be like if you found out the dinosaurs didn't die out because of an asteroid; it was just there was one really stupid, ignorant Stegosaurus kevin who, who just went i'm going come i'm gonna walk over don't go over there i'll <laughs> tripped over and bloody upset a d- nest of pterodactyls and <laughs> a of brontosaurus and within half an hour everyone was dead because of this one f-ing twatty <laughs> stegosaurus that that's what's happening Least trust and that's <laughs> Where we're at now, who would ever have thought we would look back on 2020 as the good old days? That's (laughs) where we're at. At least then when we had a maniac in charge of half the world, all he did was send out Mendel tweets and build a wall and tell us all to drink bleach.
0: Jesus. <laughs> Happy times. Yeah. Happy times. Uh, we will, of course, have full exclusive coverage of whatever Armageddon does materialise here on The Bugle, the official podcast of the end of the world. Uh, we are recording on the 18th of March, 20... It's <laughs> good. You've got to take the, the branding deals where you can. Uh, it's the 18th of March, 2022. On this day in 1965, the Soviet cosmonauts Alexei Leonov performed the first ever spacewalk, a 12 minute, nine second zero gravity poodle outside the uh, Voskhod 2 commie craft. Uh, He said the famous words, one small toddle about for a man, one symbolic Cold War propaganda victory for all mankind. Maybe not all mankind. Uh, However, due to the um, latest retrospective sanctions uh, against Russia from the international community, uh, Leonov has now been disqualified as has his fellow crew member Pavel uh, Beliaev. The uh, Voskhod 2 shall now be known as Rocky the Rocket 2, and the International Space Agency has reattributed the mission to the reigning Wimbledon singles champions of the day, Roy Emerson of Australia and Brazil's Maria Bueno, who posthumously has the honour of being the first person to have walked in space to her seven Grand Slam singles and 12 doubles titles. In other retroactive cultural sanctions, the works of Russian literary giant Alexander Pushkin have been assigned to children's author Lucy Cousins, Who's, uh, to whose oeuvre of popular works featuring Maisie Mouse can now be added masterpieces of the 19th century canon, including smash hit verse novel Yevgeny Onyagin, uh, The Undertaker, which of course is a famous uh, short story about the professional wrestling scene in 1830s Yaris level, and uh, Pushkin's no-holds-barred autobiography When Pushkin Comes to Shovekin, uh, plus his posthumously written self-help tome How to Lose a Duel and Die Senselessly in Your Prime. Uh, Lucy Cousins is also now the author of uh, Pushkin's smash hit historical play Boris Godinov, its sequel, Boris, clearly not Godinov, is currently running interminably in London. As always, a section of The Bugle is going straight in the bin. Today, the 18th of March, is National Awkward Moments Day in the USA. Um, And let's just declare it Global Awkward Moments Day as well, because what a day to be recording as the world... Sinks daily further into what is proving to be something of an awkward millennium, a bit of a pattern emerging. Uh, alternate millenniums seem to start very awkwardly indeed in the first 20, 30 plus years, uh, and the one in between tootles along with people doing sod all. Uh, our National Awkward Moments Day celebrates those cringe inducing moments when the deep flush of embarrassment broils into your shame quivering cheeks, uh, such as uh, moments such as, for example, when you've left a horse's head in the wrong person's bed. Uh, whilst temping on a zero hours contract for a mafia boss, uh, sorry Granny, doesn't quite cut it, does it? Uh, or perhaps uh, you uh, th- that, or perhaps that awkward moment uh, at, um, or perhaps that awkward moment at work when you uh, tell a colleague you thought a film was a total pile of unrelenting shit, only to find out that your work colleague wrote, directed, and starred in that film in their secret double life as a Hollywood superstar. Or maybe you've um, just launched your uh, PowerPoint presentation to outline your company's marketing strategy for increasing sales of Wi-Fi-enabled smart forks in the next two quarters, only to have the wrong file ready and accidentally share your intricate plans for breaking into the Spanish Mint and printing billions of euros worth of banknotes. Or maybe that awkward moment when you call the judge at your trial, Mummy. Uh, which is probably something to do with the long grey hair. Uh, And we look also at uh, some classic (laughs) awkward moments from history. Wrongful executions, unjustified wars, unnecessary massive famines exacerbated by imperial occupiers stealing all the food. Prank referendum results that are uh, deposited, steaming slowly into the entrails of future generations. Uh, We do have a habit as a species of concocting awkwardness. And uh, in particular, we look at arguably the greatest awkward moments in human history. Abraham chopping off the end of his plonker at the age of 99, after misunderstanding God, telling him to gather a team of acrobats, jugglers, clowns and lion tamers to travel the world, persuading people to worship the one true Lord. Sorry, boss. W- what was that you said? Oh, circus mission. Oh, no. Oh, oh I-, I feel really silly now. I feel really... <laughs> uh, could you, uh, uh, boss, could could you maybe make a magic bandage appear in that hedge? Or... It's really sore. Uh, that section. In the bin. <laughs>
1: That's good. That good, Andy.
0: Thank you, Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of your astronaut cosmological
2: thing there reminded me of... Uh, the, the thing. this is a true story. When I did my in-town show about Corby, I found this out about it, Right. So, the, my, uh, the extraordinary thing about Corby, I don't know if this will uh, um, make any sense at all over in America. <laughs> Corby is this town in a county called Northamptonshire, uh, which is very sort of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's not that far from London and it's quite sedate, And it's nowhere near at all Scotland. But <laughs> a steelworks opened up there in the 1930s and loads of unemployed steelworkers that were from Scotland walked down. They were skin and they walked down and they pretty much populated this town and as a result of that this town of colby still has this really sort of broad scottish accent and you'll meet people who who are there and they go I'm, I'm 63 and i've never been to a school in my life and that's a <laughs> clear of clear. it's true now and so the the iron brew which is a very scottish drink this is the biggest there's a huge uh rangers and huge celtic supporters clubs there and so on and they do all sorts of Scottish customs, such as they have uh, a porridge-eating champion. <laughs> right. And the World Porridge-eating Championships took place in 1969 on the same day. Do you know this story? I <laughs> no,
0: right? I, don't. Right. But I can s- where you're
2: going. From the year, I'm guessing where, where you're going with this. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> yes, when the first moon landing happened. And there was a little joke that they had between sort of mission control and the astronauts. And so the astronauts said, what's in the news today? Ha, ha, ha. And of course, all that was in the news was they're going to the moon. So they found other stories as well. And one of the stories was that a bloke from Colby had won the World Porridge Eating Championships. And Neil Armstrong was so completely fascinated by this, that when he got a chance to name... A crater on the moon. He named it Colby, and so there is a there is a crater on the moon
0: called Colby on account of that. That's sensational. I mean, yeah. I mean, this, Mark, this podcast isn't really uh, a place for facts, but um, <laughs> <so it's, laughs> yeah, I've got to let you off uh, with the <laughs> with. The, so, how do they judge the world porridge eating Championship? Is it pure volume? Is it artistic impression? Is it? I don't know of... if
2: it's like the great. British porridge off, and the sort right. of people there going, "Oh my god, the oats are too mucky, and they're not even like distributed. They're disgrace." I don't know if it's like that, or if it is just volume. I don't know.
0: It, it's it's volume and speed. So someone here who won it
2: did twenty three bowls in ten minutes. I think what? that is the guy. That's the, the, the NASA guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> twenty-three bowls in ten minutes. But how big's the bowl, though?
0: Yes, yeah. yeah,
2: not a washing up bowl.
0: It's not specific. <laughs> <laughs> how, how big's a normal, the
2: spoon? Yeah, a normal, but that's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> well, there you go. Let's ask if he's still alive. We know the answer to that. You can't. <laughs> you don't live long when you're eating twenty-three bowls of porridge in ten minutes. <laughs> Is porridge essentially just oatmeal?
1: Is, is, yes. is that what it is? Yeah.
2: yeah. With water or with, yeah. Invented probably in about 941 AD by some huge bloke with a kilt in the middle of <laughs> some thistles in Stirling. Come and look at what I've invented. Oats and water and f-
0: all else. <laughs> Top story this week. Uh, well, uh, the retro cat-headed Cold War country that is Putin's uh, Ukraine expedition power clogs on the Kremlin from the Kremlin still hasn't really read the room uh, or indeed the world uh, and has been uh, once again proving his uh, lack of mastery of the uh, delicate arts of public relations by, amongst other things, bombing a theatre full of sheltering, uh, sheltering children, which um, seldom works from a uh, PR uh, point of view. Um it's uh, it's been a bleak bleak few weeks. Uh, how have uh, have you both been? Uh, well, in, enjoying the uh, the onset of uh, what may be World War Three, and as we mentioned earlier on, <laughs> full armageddon.
1: There's a relief in it. I just wish they'd rip the bandage off sooner. Do you know what I mean? Just the, it's the anticipation that gets to you. Like, oh, is, are we still doing this? Do I still got to pay rent? Do I still have to pay taxes? Can I just let it go? Like it would, it would. I don't need all the thinking. Like I just like it to be done with if it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, nuclear annihilation,
0: right? Um, it's uh, and uh, market. It, I mean, it's quite hard to see any sort of strategic plan from Putin's point because it seems to make even less strategic sense for Russia now than it did when it began, and it already made not just no sense, but sort of inverse sense i mean what, what 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 do you think he's what, what, what's his game
2: well that's probably crazy isn't it to try to work out what he's doing it's like sort of it'd be like watching a maybe uh, maybe you know when you've sort of sprayed a fly and it's not quite done the job but the fly is just visiting in all directions right imagine then if you sat around if all the world's top experts at everything sat around going, what do you think the fly is aiming to do next? <laughs> it's probably like probably like that, isn't it? Well, I'm in the genius of bit. Usually there's some made up reason for this sort of barbarity, you know. So like, you know, the West, bless it. We make up that they've got weapons of mass destruction or that Saddam calls 9-11 or a domino theory thing like with Vietnam or even Hitler had sort of, oh, I mean, I've been invited in to protect the German people of Sudetenland or something. But Putin is just, I want more things. And (laughs) it's just, that's it. He's not even trying, is he?
0: Yes, I mean, uh, without wishing to do you know, an amateur psychological profile on someone who I've I've never personally met Putin, and he's not really in the target demographic of 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 the Bugle, uh, but he doesn't seem to be a man, Hari, who is by nature open to the idea of backing down and admitting that that he was that he was wrong.
1: No, you you see that you've seen that picture with him with his shirt off on the horse, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That guy doesn't apologize. <laughs> that guy goes for it. I mean, it's kinda of like he's hold, held the world hostage with nukes. I I mean honestly, I'm surprised Trump didn't try this.
2: He might have done, mightn't he, and not and just people just didn't interpret. They just couldn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> It's possible that one of them things about bleach, or one of them crazy things, where he would just come out and people would go, "What's he said now?" And he's gone, "Oh, you know, it's time to put a cactus up the ass and squash a penguin in there." And, <laughs> and what he was actually saying was, "No, no, I want to. I'm actually. I, I'm saying I want the Isle of Man. Otherwise, I'm going to nuke everywhere." And <laughs> I could the, quite the, understand the,
0: the it. The, the Isle. Of Man. There was a, a time and he didn't. Talk about taking Greenland at one point. Yes, he wanted to buy it. But maybe that was, you know, if, it, if, if that had run on a little longer, maybe we would have got to the same uh, same position. I mean, it is. it does seem to have a lot to do with Putin's. We've had the War of Jenkins' Ear that we talked about in the Bugle a few weeks ago. Um, this, I think, could be the the War of Putin's Ego as he continues to put the I, the I, three more I's and another I into increasing international isolation. Um, Vladimir... Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, Hari, talked to the U.S. Congress this week. He gave a 16-minute virtual address. There's the stand-up comedian in him. Basically, 16 minutes of stuff usually equates to a 20-minute set, but uh, his material at the moment not getting a lot of laughs. Uh, He was supposed
1: to do 10 minutes, but he burnt the light. (laughs)
0: Went way (laughs) over his time. Someone standing at the back with with a bike light. We're yeah. the red button. That's what we used to have in the open <laughs> mic circuit over here. Uh, how did how did uh, did his his speech go down?
1: I mean, it was it went down well. It was weird for me to watch it because it almost sounded like he was asking for a stay of execution. Like he's, I know what we're reporting, but I just have a feeling at some point Russia just has more and they will swallow Ukraine whole until unless there's some kind of interference. So like. You know, he was he was saying all the all the things you have to say. Like he was saying blatant lies too. Like uh, uh, the leader of the world has to be the leader of peace, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's <laughs> never been that. Yeah, it doesn't, he's really yeah. trying to
0: work it, and, <laughs> he's not been- And they were. He's not been paying attention to America's mo uh, as leader of the world. No,
2: well, or indeed ever. I mean, even before America, (laughs) never been there. All the most important people: Alexander the Great, (laughs) William the Conqueror, all the people who've run empires, the British slave trade, peace, 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 peace. Also, the leader of
1: peace always gets killed really young. I mean, that's always been the way that works. So it's not really anyway. It, it, was, it, was, it was strange. I mean, the, Congress kept clapping every time he said something, you know, uh, you know, about being resolute and what they're fighting for and stuff. And it was a weird kind of thing to see them clap constantly, both sides, as if to say, yes, this is wonderful. We are not going to do anything. <laughs> we will continue to clap, but we will do nothing to help you. Please enjoy this extended applause.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think... Also, as a comic, he was probably thinking, I was getting lots of applause, Granks, but no laughs. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Just...
1: Uh, It's... They're actively trying to kill him. And it's a strange Mm. thing to do a press conference when people are actively trying to kill you. It's like if the Roadrunner just stopped for a second... Looked around for Wiley Coyote and then took a bunch of questions. Like, this is not the best time, but he had to do it. Like, he's, you know, and he, and it was because initially, I'm like, he was just wearing a t shirt. So I'm like, why does he look like a hip young tech CEO? Um, And then I realized, oh, yeah, because he's in an actual war, not like the wars we fight where the president, the leaders never get involved, you press a bunch of buttons. He's like, literally. (laughs) <laughs> In the middle of a war where he could be bombed at any moment, and a three-piece suit might not be the most effective thing to wear when you're trying to flee. Zelensky was also really trying to go after the hearts of the American people. So he like referenced how this was their Pearl Harbor or 9-11. But oh, yes. the problem with that is that, you know, that happened to Americans. Uh, so that see that's a problem because what's... Happening right now in Ukraine is not happening to Americans, and so for uh, therefore it's it's not really uh, the same thing. Uh, also, he started referencing other American things: he, Pearl Harbor, nine eleven, Martin Luther King, Mount Rushmore. I believe he mentioned the Rocky movies, uh, Thriller, uh, and the McRib. It's all <laughs> desperate attempts to try to get. Americans on board. He did similar things with the UK. He mentioned uh, Churchill and Shakespeare, uh, and then when he did Canada, he paused for a second and he said, "Canada has a very nice personality." <laughs> so a little, little something for
2: everybody. Take that, Canada. Is he doing it for everyone, like Malta? He had he had a for <laughs> Malta. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I reckon he'd go Tony Drago, snooker player. That's what I call that.
2: <laughs> yes, you will remember your your awful moment when the country sank into despair when Tony Drago was knocked out in the third round, ten nine on the final <laughs> black, <laughs> by, by Joe Johnson in 1985. <laughs> that too, That's too, is what we must face now.
1: I mean, if if we let – let's say uh, the world lets Putin just have uh, Ukraine. I mean, certainly there's no historical examples that show that he can't just stop with one country, right? We just have to let him take the one, and then it, it should it should stop.
2: Isn't that isn't that how
1: this has worked historically?
2: How did this go in America? Because I heard the bit where he was talking about Pearl Harbor. And, I, of course, a bit of me did think – I mean, bless him. You, know, you can't help but like him, but I got, but that was clearly a very, very sort of um, brazen attempt to catch the heartstrings of the American. Did did it work, or is it like you said, people just went, "Oh, was, yeah, yeah," but it's not us, so bollocks.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Because I, it, you can see the videos, and and you see what's happening, and you know what's happening is terrible. Well, that's not completely true. Half the American people just discovered what Ukraine is. The other half were like, oh, these videos are horrific. You know, this is happening. You don't need to be like, you know, this is like your Pearl Harbor. Because honestly, most Americans at this point, like, don't have any feelings about Pearl Harbor uh, whatsoever. Uh, And also don't know what uh, a day that will live in infamy even means. So it's very like... I don't think it made very much of an impact here. Again, because like Americans didn't get hurt.
0: Uh, he is uh, appealing for more direct assistance from uh, America and the West in general to counteract the Russian military machine. Uh, the Russian military machine seems to be a pretty fucking shit machine, but it is yeah. uh, a big machine um, yes. controlled by a cast-iron total shithead. So still a concerning uh, machine. He said another thing uh, I was quite interested by uh, about the no-fly zone. Saying, is this a lot to ask for to create a no-fly zone over Ukraine to save people? Is that too much to ask? Uh, it was, in fact, a multiple-choice question: A. <laughs> yes. B. No. C. Also no. Apart from the fact that there are thirteen thousand nuclear weapons on this planet, and we kind of get the impression that Vladimir Putin is using his big red button as an office stress toy. So it's it's hard to see uh, where we where it can go from here. Uh, Liz Truss, the aforementioned Liz Truss, Mark. Um, yes. The uh, harbinger of the end of the world, as you've uh, described her, uh, said um, in response to the events unfolding in, in in Ukraine that the era of complacency is over. Um, yes. Th- now, uh, is it over? And if so, why did it last so long? They're just full of
2: these sorts of phrases, aren't they? You know, no more, no longer. Are we going to be <laughs> complacent? It's. Uh, I'm not just saying this, it does remind me of when I had a uh, a water bill that came in for £1,300 and it took me months to sort it out. And eventually, this bloke on the phone said, Mr. Sewell, you'll be very pleased to know that we have now passed this matter on to our concerned team. And I, and I, I thought, well, who's had it before? They couldn't give a shit team. And that's, and that's, that. this is what they're saying, isn't it? We will know, we are now passing. This matter onto our concerns team, this matter of Vladimir Putin, um, which suggests that they've really not given a. Well, not with. If only they'd not given a, f- but they have given a. F- they've given a huge. F- they've given a f- as much as. We see this monstrous, completely deranged lunatic running a huge chunk of the world, including loads of nuclear missiles. And what we've decided to do with him is not be complacent, but let him send all his bloody oligarchs over here to buy uh, riverside apartments and football clubs. And um, we're going to buy all our energy off him and he can do whatever we want and he's going to... we're going to play tennis with his bloody whoever he fancies in order that they fund our political parties, and so it's not complacency at all. They haven't been complacent. They've gone, oh, come here, Mister <laughs> yes. Wonderful, fucking lunatic, bloody bareback on a horse, nuclear <laughs> missile, fucking crazy man. <laughs> They've not been complacent. They've not gone, oh, yeah. I wonder if he'll be a lunatic. They've gone, ha-ha, he's a lunatic. Brilliant. <laughs> Buy all our
0: <that> shit. <laughs> so tiptoe with that fine line between complacency and naked venal self-interest. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, a, yeah, tri- yeah. it's a tricky balance to strike. And those politically and economically expedient chickens have come home to have explosive diarrhoea all over their roots. <laughs> Uh, Liz Truss also said that the, this represented a paradigm shift,
1: right.
0: uh, which is polite talk for we've f-ed up good and proper. So interesting times uh, for uh, the world. Do you think she knows what that means? <laughs>
2: no
0: you one knows what of, it means. What do you know? What, what is a paradigm? Mrs. No one knows. It's just it's a term that's used to co- cover up the fact that no one knows what it means. Um uh, I mean if only with hindsight you know people had been warning about the dangers of excessive reliance on fossil fuels for say the last fifty or more years or if only people had raised concerns about the the reliability of vladimir putin say you know twenty plus years ago but no one did apart from the people who did but no one no one did that <laughs> and I guess that's we have to regret that
2: I think what trump has given the world is the sort of rather than the old fashioned lying politicians you now just who, who sort of they say things that if you're caught up on it you go oh yes but that could be interpreted as that now you just totally make stuff up so and that's what this trust is doing that's what boris johnson when he said when he said we have uh, we have settled more people since 2015 than anyone in the world so it's not just saying, "Oh, we have taken a lot of refugees." We've taken more than anyone in the world, and Poland has taken a million. And at that point, Britain had taken three hundred, but three hundred more—more than a million—in in, in 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 the world. And no one goes, "What are you talking about? How much did your shitty education cost that you?" F- three hundred is more than a million? In mathematically incoherent in north. I just, but no one does. No, prime well, minister the, said my, that we've taken more than anyone in the world. More, indeed, than all the world put together. <laughs> We're bigger than the universe," said <laughs> Johnson. Now the weather. Uh. <laughs> Quick side note:
1: uh, the president of Yemen is still waiting for that Zoom link from Congress. <laughs> Must have he gotten said, lost in a spam folder or something. I think he's there right now, clicking. <laughs>
2: on <to make> work. <laughs> it's been
1: over a year. Where is it? They said he got lost in the mail. That's impossible, but keep clicking. Okay.
0: Out of sight, out of mind. First rule of international diplomacy. Uh, we've seen over the course of the, uh, the war, incredible courage uh, and bravery from people in Ukraine and also uh, various acts of protest within Russia this week, TV producer Marina of interrupted a primetime TV news bulletin holding up a banner saying no war and Russians against war. And then there was some bit in between. I, I assume she panicked because the letters in between didn't make mm. didn't make sense. Uh, I mean, They look sort of like proper letters, but uh, the, the lines going the wrong way and stuff. But anyway, the, the message was quite clear. Uh, she also uh, issued a, a, a video statement. And she's worked uh, in TV news for a long time. A video statement said, "We are just silently watching this anti-human regime, and now the whole world has turned away from us. And the next generation, and the next ten generations, won't be able to clean themselves from the shame of this fratricidal war." Now here's Oleg with the travel. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, when uh, she interrupted the news bulletin, they, uh, they the the news reader tried to so just talk over her. Um, uh, and then they switched to an emergency tape. And it made me think, why can't our news bulletins go to emergency tapes every day, five (laughs) seconds into every... Would that not make us happier as I just switched to footage of Ian Botham at Hedigley in 1981?
2: Well, or would you like Hugh Edwards to appear behind the main (laughs) newsreader and say, I am sorry for all of the lies that I have said (laughs) over the years. I have been my part. In turning the country into zombies and the fratricide, what is it? They have fratricidally turned everyone against us. Well, I suppose reading the news over a period of 20 years probably would have its effect on you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Same as being a paramedic or something. So he's, he is the most morose, even if everything was under ah, D is the first D of spring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Boris Johnson, uh, meanwhile, with the flows of oil and gas from Russia being at least temporarily inconvenienced by the Ukrainian situation, uh, Johnson was forced to resort this week to trying to butter up a perhaps currently marginally less tyrannical death cult warmongering regime whose military crimes are choice are of considerably less concern in these parts under the out-of-sight, out-of-mind clause of the UN's founding charter. He was off to Saudi Arabia Uh, the Prime Minister, uh, also known under his official honorary title of the First Lord of Floundering Fuckwittery, uh, to try to um, persuade them to let us have more of their blood oil rather than Russian uh, blood oil. Uh, I mean, it it did show, I think, the way the world works in a not particularly uh, glowing light uh, this trip, uh, Mark, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, so, uh, (laughs) of course. But uh, Boris Johnson almost does it sort of honestly, Whereas other politicians have to be more snidey about it. We will not be beholden to tyrannical regimes. That is why I'm off to see the king of Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Peace-loving Saudi Arabia.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He has been accused of having no moral compass, Boris Johnson, which isn't entirely fair. He does have a moral compass. The problem is he's torn the needle out of it uh, and scrubbed out all the directions and just put a photo of his own face on it. Um, uh, Saudi Arabia, for those uh, uh, who've not heard of it, is a, um, a part-time kingdom, full-time global sports brand, um, still looking good for the Executing Political Prisoners demonstration sport at Paris 2024, uh, which could be a, a rare Olympic gold uh, for the kingdom. Uh, they, While Boris Johnson was there, they executed three more people to add to the 81 they dispatched in a single day recently, which prompted a rather bizarre... Uh, <laughs> Sporting uh, event Um, in a post match press conference, some awkward questions for the Newcastle United football manager. Eddie Howe, uh, Newcastle recently taken over by Saudi Arabia, essentially via a sort of sovereign wealth fund. And so Eddie Howe, instead of speculating on whether the magpies remain vulnerable to counterattacking overloads on the left-hand side when their fullback pushes up, was faced with queries about the wrongs and even wrongers of mass state executions as a tool for stifling dissent. <laughs> Such as <is> sport,
2: 2020.
0: <laughs> <laughs> tough things for a football manager to uh, to deal with. But it's
2: so it's so distressing, like to so the Chelsea fans. Sorry for, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Chelsea is this club that was bought by Roman Abramovich, who is now, it turns out, as if there was ever any doubt about it, was very close to Putin. And he ran away from the collapse of the Soviet Union with $5 billion worth of assets, which uh, he was given for almost... Nothing for supporting Boris Yeltsin in his campaign, a straight deal. And part of that money he used to buy Chelsea Football Club. And, uh, well, Chelsea fans were very ethical, of course, and uh, they... And they couldn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and now sanctions have been put against him and he's got to give up the club and he's not allowed to sell it. And that's a part of the sanctions. And of course, they're just all ringing in phones. It's not fair. It's disgusting. And you'd think, no, I, well, I could see that if over the, all this business has gone on in the Ukraine over the last four weeks... That's a fair point, because if anyone suffered in that time, it's Roman Abramovich, the owner of the Chelsea (laughs) Football Club, who's really been put through the mill. Then it certainly puts the trifles of those people in bloody Kiev into perspective. (laughs) And um, I said, what about this, right? So this is part of the sanctions. £20,000 is the upper limit on what they're allowed to spend on away travel. And naively, I thought... Right, £20,000 for the rest of the season for away games. Well, they should be able to manage that, shouldn't they? It's £20,000 per match. <laughs> and their next match is against Middlesbrough, which is a very industrial town up in the northeast of England, not that far. You can get there easily in two and a half hours on the train. And the Chelsea Football Club went berserk saying, We can't get there and back for £20,000 to. F- in Middlesbrough, <laughs> <laughs> how do they normally travel? They hire Beyonce to push him in a wheelbarrow or something, or on, <laughs> like, on a magic carpet <laughs> sewn out of ostrich feathers. <laughs> and they go, "It's not, fa- it's sanctioned." Yes, but we are used to travel in more luxury, playing swimming pool <laughs> on the <Halloween."> wing. Oh, it's <laughs> so depressing. <laughs> Not oh. one of them. Not they. Don't even go. I understand that people in Ukraine are suffering. Oh, don't give a f- about them. Our <laughs> football club. Now we got to play in the f- Champions League and with the take the masseuse. We've got to leave them behind.
0: Yeah. So no more uh, transfers for Chelsea for the foreseeable future. <laughs> but uh, moving on to a transfer that did happen in the 1970s. The transfer. Of uh, 1,500 tanks from uh, Britain to Iran, um, uh, which is this is an extraordinary story. So, uh, two British Iranian prisoners, Nazanin Zaghari-Ratcliffe and uh, Anousheh ashuri have been released finally this week after um, well, five or five and six years in, in Iranian prisons, um, irrespectively. I think I think I got them the wrong way around. So, well, anyway, years. Let's just say years in uh, Iranian prisons and. Essentially, what seems to have happened is that Britain has finally paid a four hundred million pound debt to Iran, dating back to the nineteen seventies for undelivered tanks. Um, this is just one of the strange, strangest stories. There was a, you know, an element, It's a really great, good news story. It's just, you know, on the personal level of um, uh, Nazanin zaghari Radcliffe finally being reunited with her uh, husband and, and young daughter and uh, Adusha Ashori with his his family. Uh, but quite how it all came about is just totally about a £400 million debt for undelivered tanks. I think the most astonishing
2: thing, or the most telling thing about this story, so for people who don't know, yes, yeah, so she was... she was Well, she was a project manager in Zagori Ratcliffe who went to uh, Iran from which she first came to visit her parents. And then was arrested at Tehran Airport on the way back, and was charged with spying, which she clearly wasn't spying. She was a project manager, so that that's very important for the, the main subplot of this story. So, uh, and then she was just kept in jail for all this time, and all sides knew she wasn't spying. She was just kept sort of hostage, really, for this four hundred million, and Britain never wanted to pay it and stuff and then and and now suddenly who would have thought for some reason britain wants to be close to countries who've got lots of energy all of a sudden (laughs) just by coincidence at the same time as the country that they were getting loads of energy from has gone full scale mental and invaded somewhere so clearly it's to do with that and so but one brilliant side issue of that as you say she's she came home this week which is marvelous but now this is the important subplot Because Boris Johnson was the foreign secretary four years ago when it was his job to go and meet the Iranian diplomats to discuss this. And he clearly had not read even the headlines of his (laughs) briefing. And so he said to the Iranians, uh, she was she was just a journalist. That's all she was doing, just here being a journalist. She wasn't a journalist. She was a project with nothing to do with anything at all. And the Iranians were saying she was a journalist and she was spying, which he absolutely utterly wasn't. And then he went and went, yes, she was a journalist. So they went, aha, so she was a journalist and increased her sentence. And this idiot has managed to go. Who else is like a lawyer? Yes, well, we have got them to change your sentence. Unfortunately, I've got them to triple it because I said. <laughs> but I'm not even on trial. I'm the clerk of the court. Yes, well, I rather did say that you were involved in the burglary, so I'm afraid going to have to go to jail. <laughs> Great moron is running our country. I mean, just the sooner Putin invades us and takes over here as well, the better. <laughs> it's just so bad. And i pretty Patel's probably thinking, oh, I don't know why she's celebrating, I'll be deporting her again by the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's uh, no, it's very, very, uh, it, it's very marvelous in all sorts of ways uh, but for, for, for terrible reasons
0: <laughs> yeah. and I guess a lesson has uh, has been learned um, uh, well I mean in terms of <laughs> 400 million pound debts for undelivered tanks never pay up front if you're buying 1500 tanks surely <laughs> you, you stagger those payments don't you? <laughs> you, 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 you stagger them. Well, you have them on a direct debit, you'd fool.
1: <laughs> the IMF is probably so impressed with Iran. Like, way to get your money back. That's, that's, that is a shakedown. I wish we could hold people hostages. Oh, yes. my God.
2: Brilliant. I think if Nazanin wants to go away again, I'd suggest Bournemouth. <laughs>
0: American news now, and no more switching of clocks twice a year for America, Hari. Uh, Daylight saving is to be made permanent. Um, So rather than having to to put your clocks forward and then back, um, which takes anything up to three to four minutes to change all your clocks, that's twice a year. Uh, So, Hari, that's equivalent to almost 20 million hours lost in the USA changing clocks, assuming 200 million people do change their clocks, obviously not, not everyone. But, and if they're all on a basic $1.5 million per hour salary, like classic American Tom Brady, that's $30 trillion a year <laughs> wasted changing clocks. So this is a huge turning point in American economic history, would you not say?
1: Correct. Yes. Plus, it, it eliminates the excuse of, oh, I forgot. I'm sorry, I'm late. I forgot to turn my <sighs> clock back or forward. And that, that has been useful for quite some time. I never really understood why we did it, and I, I I looked up a bunch of articles, and I still don't really understand. It's just so uh, it, it doesn't get late. Is that right? It, it doesn't get late too early, and it doesn't <laughs> get – it doesn't – I don't really understand it. Yeah. The thing that annoys me the most about this, in addition to not understanding exactly how it works, is so you decided to get rid of something that's been an institution in this country – for quite some time. That never really made sense to people. But like, we just went along with it because that's the way it's been. And finally, you challenged it, and you got rid of it. And that institution isn't the electoral college. (laughs) You went after daylight savings. No, (laughs) It's it's a pet peeve. It's not a challenge challenge to democracy. It doesn't, it, it's not part of the reason that this country is as messed up as it is. It's just an annoyance. And I hated the articles I was reading about how the Democrats and Republicans finally agreed on one thing. And I'm like, it, it's not even a thing. <laughs> it, it's barely a thing. It's a stupid thing to begin with. I mean, sure, we what we could have done is just, uh, you know, kept it uh, as is, like, gotten rid of it. We should never have done it to begin with daylight savings. I mean, people just simply would have been like, oh, we should come in uh, an hour later today or an hour earlier. But I guess that's,
2: that doesn't work. Whatever. The point is it farmers? Because here it's always it's farmers.
1: No, but nobody knows. Nobody, I've read three articles and nobody was giving me a clear answer. I don't understand why we were playing with clocks to begin with.
0: And now, and the Electoral College is still there.
1: So, what was the point
0: of any of this? Well, Hari, but surely you've got to look upon this as, as a, a, a gateway reform that you know America might, from this seemingly minor reform, uh, and, and Marco Rubio. Uh, the Republican senator from Florida said if we can get this passed we don't have to keep doing this stupidity anymore now as you say that's not the most obvious piece of stupidity that America should be looking to scrub out from its not-to-do list but yeah if this works then they can look at the Electoral College and and gun crime and yeah presidential pardons whatever else you want to reform about America but you have to change the clocks or stop the clocks changing First, just, just as a as a little entry an entry level reform. Are you assuming that
1: the next thing after the clock business is gun <laughs> reform yes. and electoral, as opposed to uh, we have to do something about leap year? Like you don't think <laughs> yeah. it's going to be?
0: Just, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but then but then it builds up slowly. Then maybe legalize some unpasteurized cheeses uh and you know gradually and in, in just you know blink of an eye over the next thousand or so years america will become a slightly more just society just give it time
2: <laughs> i think leap year no i think now you've mentioned it i think leap year does take precedence <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh
0: jewish calendar has a leap month if i remember uh, very vaguely from uh, <laughs> right. some time ago now. So, you know, I could bring... How bring does that happen? Uh, ooh, every now and again. <laughs> uh, months. Yeah, no, that's a secret that uh, my people are not at liberty to divulge. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of this week's uh, Bugle. Um, No lies about our premium-level voluntary subscribers this week because I have to dash off to do a tour show in Maidenhead, depending on when you receive this. Uh, Do come along to all of the rest of my tour uh, gigs. There are a few tickets left on Saturday night and all the shots Sunday night in Nottingham. Then next week, Bristol, Exeter, Cambridge and Milton Keynes. And I have eight dates in London in May. Uh, Mark... Uh, tell us about your podcast.
2: Oh yes, so I've got yes, my podcast is my own little break breakaway, a bit like people do for the mafia when they go off to start their own family. Uh, so <laughs> it's called "What What the F is Going On," and that comes out every week. It's F and in three stars. So I'm assuming that's what it means. It might, it might you know, it might be what the flag is going on. Who knows? But uh, yeah, yeah. So that's every week. and I'm joined by um, my son, who I bred uh, specifically to find out what the what is going on, and we're various. <laughs> characters who come and help us on well, in fact one that you'd be appreciative of i think andy fred truman deceased crickets fred truman
0: oh, right. comes on to um, see him
2: back yeah there. yeah 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 no he gives his mostly his views are that everything was marvelous until 1965 and then terrible <laughs> 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 uh, yeah so that and then i've got various shows going around the country now that we're all back out touring again i can't remember where any, any of them are to be honest but if you look me name up and go through every single town in Britain, <laughs> you'll come across the ones I'm going to.
0: Ari, any, uh, anything to plug?
1: Yes, I'm on tour again. A uh, lot of dates, but I'll just give you a handful. Washington, D.C., April 7th through 9th. Bloomington, Indiana, April 14th to 16th. Richmond, Virginia, May 19th to 21. If I survive Richmond... May 25th to 28th, San Francisco punchline. I'll be all over Chicago, Toronto, Cleveland. I'm in Milwaukee next week at the Laughing Tap. Uh, So, yeah, I'll be all over the place. That just
2: puts us so... Oh, we're in... I'm in Maidenhead. I'm in Tring. I've got Milwaukee, Toronto, Denver, Richmond, Chicago, San Francisco... Oh, I
0: forgot to mention Heriford. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, do go to all of those shows, uh, Buglers. We'll be back uh, next week with more on whatever is happening in the entire universe. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.